Everybody, I'm Peter, and I had the same haircut as Mon Mothma in elementary school. He still rocks a bowl cut. It's Mike. Welcome to Rebels Rebels, the podcast that explores the Star Wars expanded universe through an episode-by-episode deep dive into the Star Wars animated series Rebels. Yes, yes, yes. Today, we have a very special guest. I'm super excited. She is a writer and contributing editor at Nerdist. She is also host of the limited podcast series, Halo Raylo. Welcome, Lindsay Romaine. How are you doing, Lindsay? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm super stoked. Um, I am, to be honest, though, like I, I sometimes come into our early morning Recording sessions a little tired, maybe after a little couple adult beverages. I am nursing a mean little woman hangover. I what? went and saw that last night. Wait, wait, tell me, tell me. Did you just say a mean little woman, hang- little women hangover? Yep, I just like, saw little women last night, and oh, you know what? I don't want to so talk good. about the space garbage anymore. Let's just do a little women podcast. I would, uh, dude. After <laughs> I just, I just binged and with an E, so I am ready to just talk about little women. I love oh, that. that so I love good. all iterations of that effing movie. <laughs> I'm down. I love little women also. So. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay, well, we are pivoting. Right. <laughs> Holy crap. Hey, wait, time out. Was Kristen Dunst in one of the Yes. Okay, She's love it more. That's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah, but we're She's, we're talking about um the Greta Gerwig remake that just uh, came out. It yeah, I know. So god. good. Man. Yeah. Wow, I haven't seen it yet. I'm so far behind on my <laughs> costume dramas. I just saw the Downton Abbey movie last weekend. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what'll happen when you have a youngling at home. Yeah, it was great. Spoiler. Yeah, yeah. sweet. Um, well, I am ready to jump into this. Mike, are you ready? I am ready. Lindsay, are you ready to jump into this? I am very ready. All right. Woo. All right, so let's mix up a quick space refresher and recap what happened in episode 16 of season three, Secret Cargo. The crew of the Ghost waits in a junk field to rendezvous and refuel a rebel ship carrying a secret cargo, but is discovered, I know, (laughs) clever writing, huh? But is discovered by an Imperial infiltrator probe droid, which the crew manages to destroy, but not before it can transmit their location to the Empire. The rebel ship arrives, and the cargo is revealed to be Senator Mon Mothma, who's on the run after recently speaking out against the Emperor. Uh, So, insert a bunch of Imperial and rebel fighting scenes here that are pretty visually cool, honestly. We'll get into Mm -hmm. it. And, you know, uh, Ezra joins them. And then, escaping into hyperspace, the ghosts brings Mon Mothma to Dantooine, where she transmits a message to all rebel cells using the formation, um, and this is urging the formation of the Rebel Alliance. As the ghost crew watches in amazement, dozens of capital ships from all around the galaxy drop out of hyperspace in response to her call. Pretty, pretty neat. So that's the uh, that's what happens in this episode. But let's talk about the theme for this episode. So hold on, everyone. <laughs> Once again, the theme for this episode is this happens occasionally. The hold, theme on for this ep- hold on to your butts. Hold on to your butts, Ron. Ron podcast. <laughs> the theme for this episode is nothing. Okay, I didn't choose a theme, and here's why. Quick, quick little rant. Once again, we, we've got an episode. That wall is better than a lot of the fillers, like way better than a lot of the fillers we have. I probably would never rewatch it. And it's somewhat of in, inconsequential to me because of the low stakes. It's great for the character movement and the plot movement. But 
we know where Mon Mothma ends up, right? She's kind of saved by canon. So I'm struggling mm-hmm. to find a cohesive theme in this episode, which is fine because Rebels wasn't created so aging book nerds could extract <laughs> literary themes from it. That said, I want to be careful with the themes I give to episodes and make sure I really am buying what I am being sold because at the end of the day, this is a product. Yes, with some art, but definitely is a mixture of the two. Star Wars post a new hope, I would argue really becomes a consumer seller relationship. And so I want to be clear about that here. And that's why I didn't give it a theme. I could of course find one if I wanted to, but subjectively, I don't think I will for this episode because it didn't speak to me or hit that special spot in my heart, you know, the H spot. So listen, I love positive Star Wars fans to wrap this up, but here's the thing. I wouldn't have to love positive Star Wars fans if there weren't so many negative ones out there. So I don't feel like a downer not giving this episode a theme because I love Star Wars and probably Rebels most of all. That is until the Mando just came out. So to wrap it up, I am an eager consumer of this product, but stingent with my praise because I desire quality over quantity. So sorry for the rant to start this episode off because it is good because it is good. But there's my up top kind of maybe dropping a bomb fair did you say the h spot yeah it's a thing i just thought of and i thought it was kind of funny (laughs) you know when when something just touches my heart it's the h spot i like that great great cool well i am happy to jump right into this then um i know you have been keeping count recently but we finally see Hera and zeb yeah four episodes in yeah wild and then and they just like nonchalantly are like and oh yeah Kanan, Kanan. took that um that mission so yeah. we're not gonna see him put him on a bus yeah <laughs> yeah um i liked this first opening shot you see there in a wreckage of separatist warships you can tell because of the logos and i did a little bit of research these are uh prequel era ships that were destroyed in the clone wars mm-hmm. uh Recusant, reconcent class, sure. commerce Re- guild destroyer, and a munificent class star frigate. Sure. Um, I don't know how to say those, Whatever but that's what those ships are. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, and another callback. There's a couple. There's a couple of things in this episode, but we see Alton Castle, who we have talked about before. He's pretty much the Star Wars equivalent of Sean Hannity. Yeah. <laughs> So he's oh, the, I, I, th- I think of that guy from the Hunger Games. It's like Caesar oh, or something. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, but he has a heart in the end, doesn't he? Isn't there like a thing in Hunger Games where he like kind of like oh, turns around a little bit? I, I don't think, remember I the think Hunger that's, Games I, much. I don't think so. I just know he's Stanley Tucci. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's all maybe, I care about, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I just can't bring myself to ever think a bad thing about Stanley Tucci. I kind of unless you've seen the lovely bones where he oh okay so that that is one of few movies like seriously one of maybe three movies that like I think about a lot because it disturbs me to my core hmm. yeah it's pretty I read the book oh I don't think I could do that I mean I want to yeah. but it sounds intense interesting I have not seen that don't I mean, do I don't, I don't really want to ruin my feelings about Stanley Tucci. He just brings me so it's like there's a what? couple people who just when they're on screen, it's like Stanley Tucci, Laura Linney, which are little women. Thank oh. you. Do you know what's funny? I only know her from this. I'm Laura or is she the one who goes and this is Masterpiece Theater? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's where I want to keep her. I don't want to see her in anything but her going. And well, she's Hold, Holdo, too. Oh no, that's Laura. Oh, Laura Dern. Sorry, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a yeah. dummy. Uh, right. Laura Linney does masterpiece theater. Laura Dern right. is. Oh, okay. I meant Laura Dern when I said little when I said that. Hmm. <laughs> okay. So disregard all of that. Um, and I did notice. Um, so Alton Castle. The reason I'm saying he's the Sean Hannity is because he's legitimately just the propagandist for the Emperor. We've talked about him a couple times, like. Yeah doing things targeted to suppress the rebellion um, and spread doing propaganda. His job, man. Doing his we job. did a little bit of a deep dive on him, but one small detail I hadn't mentioned, I like lots of minor Easter eggs, um, but he is wearing a very special badge instead of like the officer's badge that looks like a candy bar. It's like his media badge. Yeah. He wears a press badge signifying no, that he's part kidding, of the really. Imperial press corps. <laughs> How do I get a job in that? <laughs> well, I want to be a part of the empire. And I think I found the, now the role I could finally fulfill. Yeah. Holy Same. crap. 
Um, and then in this junkyard, we also see the XD infiltrator droid, which I'm a fan of this droid, the very creepy droid we saw in Warhead. Mm. Um, Ezra mentions that it speaks Imperial. He also mentions that's bad. Thanks. Um, I didn't know Imperial was a droid language and it's a very weird one. Do you know what? I, I was, as I was watching that scene, I was like, I don't know if I like droids needing like to sit and pilot something. I almost wish they would just like plug in kind of like R2D2 and like not need to like have human like sight and sound and steering. Like, like, can't you just like plug them in and they don't, <laughs> they can like take over whatever cameras are on the ship. I don't know. I, I get that. We need to see that it's in there, but just yeah. from like a, a, a nitpicky, cause that's what this podcast is for thing. <laughs> I'd rather yeah. just, I'd, I'd rather just plug it in. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think the argument, I guess that it's not mutually exclusive, but I think they, they like this droid cause it can, also get out of the ship and punch you in the face because it's like a spy killer droid. Sure. But I guess it could also just have a plug that yeah, it plugs into the ship. It doesn't have to literally use its hands for everything. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Just a Lindsay, do you have any droid thoughts? <laughs> droid piloting thoughts? I don't, I'm like sitting here thinking like, huh? <laughs> I never really uh, thought about it that way. I, thought that too, like, <laughs> I don't know if you knew what you were signing up for, but we are on a journey. Yeah. <laughs> Now I'm just going to like have that in the back. (laughs) (laughs) Just plug it in. I I, I can't think of a good analog, but I'm sure there's something with some Apple product we all own or something where it's just like, I don't know. I don't. In my head, I just kind of like, I'm, I'm just because I'm the the argument would be like, well, he's got arms for punching. Why not use them for steering too? And so like, I'm just thinking there's like some droid designer would be like, it would be so cute if he just grabbed the little handlebars and just turned it. Like maybe he's not even piloting. He is plugged in, but it's just like he's going through the motions because it's just like very like cool looking and cute for the little droid to be piloting. Like it's a person. Sure. Like when my dog sleeps on a pillow and I'm like, oh my God, he's such a human. (laughs) See, I get offended when my dog sleeps on a pillow. (laughs) I'm like, know your place, creature. (laughs) I'm totally, I'm totally the Malfoy to his his Dobby. Yeah. No. (laughs) that's why you want to join the imperial press corps yeah i think i'd be good i thought this scene was pretty tense i don't know i don't know about you like i got the last two the last time this droid um showed up is creepy too but i loved how mm-hmm. it circles back and slowly you just see the you know the the headlight going over the ghost and in in my head i was just waiting for the played out scene where like Someone jumps in from hyperspace super quick and then blows that ship up and saves the day, but it didn't happen. <laughs> they got discovered. And we're like, oh, we're screwed. Bye. Um, yeah. Was that, I'm trying to remember, was that scene tense? It seemed like a checkoff gun thing. Like they're not going to just introduce it and be like, whew, he missed us. They're going to use it, right? Yeah. I mean, I think you might be giving the series that had droids in distress a little more credit than mm-hmm. it deserves all fair, the fair, time. Fair, 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 fair. <laughs> it can do some very great things, but it can also do some very not great things. Okay. <laughs> convenient things. <laughs> yeah. Convenient. Yeah, That's a great right. way of putting it. Yeah. Um, like I could literally just see them being like, Oh, it'd be cool to show this droid again. And there would be like a heroic way to introduce like <laughs> Mon Mothma's Y wings. They came and took out the bad guys. Yeah. That's fair. Um, they're like so, Ralph McQuarrie, Ralph McQuarrie, Ralph yeah. McQuarrie. Like, <laughs> totally. They're like, guys, eight year olds don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but speaking of the Y Wings and the heroes coming to save the day, question mark, um, we meet the crew of the, I'm looking it up. Wait, it's my notes because it is a very fun name. The crew of. The I thought it was just like I thought it was just like gold. I just uh, maybe I missed the name. I always just kept hearing like gold leader and gold two and gold. They it's gold squadron. Yeah, yeah gold, gold squadron. squadron. Oh no, they don't. They don't actually name it in the episode. I found this in my research. We uh, find the crew of Mon Mothma's ship called the Chandrilla Mistress, which is a very sexy name. Hmm, I like it. Yeah, Chandrilla Mistress. Yeah. So the ch- you know it's a lady ship. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, females must be aboard. Yeah. <laughs> a lady wearing pants? It can't be. 
She is a traitor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They have to gender everything from droids yeah. all the way to ships, evidently, in Star Wars. Yeah. Um, but yes, we see the Chandrilla mistress mm. and a escort of Y-Wings. These are the same Y-Wings that Ezra and crew stole earlier in the series, but they've been painted to match the movie closer. Um, we sure. also meet a couple kind of key characters. Not so key. We meet Erskine Samaj. Okay, that? do not. That's the name. That I just have to say maybe is the worst Star Wars name. <laughs> okay. And automatically when I heard his voice, I figured out who it was after yep. a while, but at first I was like, is that Patton Oswalt? <laughs> <laughs> It's actually close. He does appear in Big Bang Theory. Do, do you I, do you know who it is? I do after a while, but it took me the whole episode to figure it out. Yeah, he's played by Josh Brenner, who I, I personally am a fan of him as I like him. Big Head in Silicon Valley. But the interesting to our fans, he also plays Niku in Star Wars Resistance. That probe, it was probably looking for us, specifically. We are carrying cargo highly valuable to the Rebellion and desperately wanted by the Empire. We have incoming. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of the name that you're not a fan of, I actually found something kind of fun. Oh, it's that. a Tuckerization, isn't it? Yep. Which, Ugh. by the way, I didn't know that was a thing. I'm, I mean, you probably both do because you're both writers. But Tuckerization is when you use someone's real life name to inspire a character's name, which we see all the time. The term is derived from Wilson Tucker, a pioneering American science fiction writer, fan, and fanzine editor who made the practice of using his friends' names for minor characters and stories. Thank you, Wikipedia. It's basically just a way to canonize other white men. It's like, I'm a white man. What other white man do I want to canonize? That white man. That's like basically the tool of what it is. Sorry. I'm like, I'm so cynical today. <laughs> um, but yes, you are right. It is a Tuckerization of James Erskine, whose story editor at Lucasfilm. Um, and then when I found that out, I found a whole list of a bunch of other people who were Tuckerized for Star Wars. And so I just want to point out a couple of them that I really like. Great. Um, Operation Shadow Point is a Star Wars game which featured Kolstev, a small rocky planet in the Stujon system. Hmm. Kolstev is named after Stephen Colbert, and Stujon is named after John Stewart. White man, white man. Yep. And but the interesting <laughs> thing is there's a Stujon planet, and Stujon is the birthplace of Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, and it... so Kenobi was born on John. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> I was looking for a way to say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you you may know this one, but I just think this was so fun. But do you know what the Greeb bleeps are? The what? Greeb bleeps? No. <laughs> so the Greeb bleeps are the ETs that are in the prequels. Oh, and it's Spielberg great. spelled backwards. White man. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. yep. You're just proving my theory. Everything you say. Yep. And then another know. white man and coming in another here. Another f- white man. Another white man coming in here to just ruin everything. Ahmed Beck is a criminal in Attack of the Clones. And one episode of Clone Wars played by Ahmed Best. Oh, there we go. All right. But of course, he's a criminal. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, okay, I'm not going to. But yeah, I didn't even know that Ahmed Best, um, he showed up in the scene with the death sticks on Attack of the Clones. Yeah. And he has like some really cool makeup on and stuff I like that. I love that guy. I follow his, uh, yeah. we follow his Instagram, Rebels mm-hmm. does, and you should follow ours. Um, <laughs> and I'm just like, I just really appreciate you and your vibe. And I know you've gone through so much and I just like, I really appreciate you as a human being. Totally. Yeah, he's great. Yep. Um, and then another interesting character we meet is John Dutch Vander. You may have jeopardized this mission. Oh, you mean the probe? What did you expect us to do? It would have been prudent to avoid detection, as ordered. This assignment is extremely sensitive. Yeah, well, maybe you should have given us a few more details instead of being so sensitive about your um, assignment. Who was gold leader in A New Hope? How is John Dutch Vander not an Imperial? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't know because he's not. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this guy, this dude was kind of cool because he was he was gold leader in A New Hope. He's the one who's like, what did he say? He's like, tighten up or loosen up or something. Oh, yeah, he says loosen up. He's like, loosen up, and then he blows up. Um, but he, they put him into Rogue One as well using archival footage, and then the actor who played him did some more voiceovers, hmm. which I thought was kind of a cool touch. Neat. 
Um, according to a certain point of view, Vander had reached the status of quadruple ace with 22 confirmed kills and 19,997 logged flight hours before dying. Well, yeah. from a certain point of view. <laughs> from a certain, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if we, we want to. Yep. Um, in, in the nerddom, there was historically a argument over John Vander's nickname because it wasn't clear. Um, so in Legends, they used John Hutch Vander and John Dutch Vander for years and years and years until 2014 when Lucasfilm officially made it Dutch. Mm. I didn't know he was so prolific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, like, all right. in Legends, I feel like they just were like, they just took random people like, yeah, like that dude who's just like, look at the size of that thing. We'll never be able to blah, 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 blah. in Return of the Jedi or a new hope about the Death Star. And he has probably like 17 uh-huh. novels about how he's like the hero of the, resist- <laughs> of the rebellion. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, it's fairly incredible that a movie can inspire that. Cause I don't know yeah, any other totally. movies that do that outside of fantasy sci-fi. Like I wish that kind of, universe expansion happened with a movie like the devil wears Prada or something where it's like, well, this devil wears Prada verse. (laughs) Yeah. Where it's like, (laughs) I wish that kind of fanfic existed for a movie like that. That's yeah, totally. Sorry. My my wife and I have been watching, um, boy meets world on Disney plus. Oh, we did that. We binged that too. Again, it's weird, dude. I forgot how weird that show is. Yeah. I, I think it personally holds up. I'm, I'm very happy with it. I mean the single, the single out episode does. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Oh, that's the one I remember from my childhood because I remember yeah. watching Singled Out. Great, great show. <laughs> that, was, that was such a weird show. Singled Out was so weird. Yeah. Um, but I, it's just funny watching it, just binging it like that because you see how the characters develop over time like for example eric like starts out as a cool guy who has all the girls and tons of friends and then he just basically turns into like like a psychopath that only hangs out with george feeney but he well he has ross geller's character arc like yeah there was it was like at that time in tv people thought it was funny to be like oh or and make them do like make them turn them nuts yeah and so Maddie and I have been talking about how we want to make like a dark look at Boy Meets World where we like follow Eric's descent into madness. There's that episode yeah. where they go on the scary roller coaster that almost yeah. kills him and like that causes him brain trauma. And then it's just like a really dark, deep look into like spiraling mental illness. This, and- that's, I remember yeah. I remember that episode. You probably aren't there yet if you're rewatching, really mm-hmm. but there's like one in like the last season where Eric, it's like a like flash forward or something of like who Eric would be in like, you know, 20 years or whatever. And he's just like this homeless man (laughs) in a rug basically. Yeah, totally. It's messed up. Yeah. So that, that's my unified theory of the boy meets world verse. I I kind of want that (laughs) podcast where you just take a look at characters, dark turns, because I would do the Ross Geller one where I can talk about how the guy ate his freaking sandwich. And that was the (laughs) beginning of the end. The beginning of his descent into madness. Yeah, that show does not hold up well. <laughs> no. Um, but back to the... Actually, the Boy Meets World does not hold up well. Oh, I disagree. Interesting. Oh, really? You know, this will be a bonus Sorry, episode. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll do, different, different we'll do podcasts, Boy Meets World, podcasts. Boy Meets World <laughs> bonus episode. We'll call it we'll call it Boys Meets Boys Meet World. Boys Meets Boy Meet World. But it's Meet M E A T. Boys Meet World. <laughs> Where we eat steaks and talk about it's two boys who eat steaks and talk about boys meat world. <laughs> okay, down. That's actually really good. <laughs> okay, we'll put that. We're, we're, we're copywriting that name, boys so that's going to be what's, what's going to happen when we're done with rebels. <laughs> Great. Okay. Great. Um, so the, the plot there's a there's a plot thing that's kind of actually a little bit interesting here is now Ezra can fly fighter ships. Um, he's been taking flying lessons with Hera evidently, which I, I kind of think is cool to point out. It's subtle, but it shows his continual growth because for so long Ezra was, you know, kind of an annoying weenie and a little bit stuck in his youth and his, I don't know what the word is, his enthusiasm, maybe getting him into trouble. And now you can really see him growing. You can see him picking up skills, becoming a true leader, um, which I think is kind of nice about his character arc. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then that brings us to the third introduction, probably the most important, Mon Mothma. Man Mothma. My presence at the meeting is not optional. You mean the meeting? Ask and I trust them to get me there. We're in the process of building an alliance, uniting the various rebel cells across the galaxy. My challenge to the Emperor was a call to stand against the Empire. My hope is all who answer it will see that they are not alone. I must be there to meet them. Her involvement has been a secret, but the Empire will be attempting to track any ship that tries to leave this system. <laughs> is it Man or Mon? It's Mon. <laughs> I remember ha- I remember not knowing that when I was like in elementary school, um, talking about Return of the Jedi. I thought it was Man Mothma for a very long time. Man Mothma? Yeah. And I was very confused. <laughs> as a, I always as thought she was an school. elf when I was a kid. An elf? <laughs> I don't know. She looks like kind of like an elf. Um, she just, I was, listen, I was very into Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and she is what I imagined like the Lady of the Wood looks like. Yeah. Yeah. She's got a Gladriel. Yeah, yeah, right? And she's I mean, kind of glowing. Be, she's all in white in the middle of mm-hmm. this very, I don't know. Very it wouldn't ethereal. be um, completely out of place. I mean, there's like a devil and a bunch of other random, like a werewolf in Star Wars. So why wouldn't there be an Yeah, elf? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Lindsay, do you have any Mon Mothma thoughts? How do you feel about Mon Mothma generally? I love Mon Mothma. Yeah. I mean, there's... You know, anytime there's a woman yeah, in Star Wars, yeah, that's true. It feels- there was only four women for you to like, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, I think like if a lot of little girls, you kind of like latch on to the few that you're given. Yeah. So yeah. I definitely always loved Mon Mothma. Um, I used to like play. I would make like my Barbie dolls be her because I didn't have like a toy oh. of her. So I like yeah. cut a Barbie hair and like put her in white. Uh, cool. <laughs> made her talk to Princess Leia because oh. I wanted there to be Star Wars lady friends. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm a big Mon Mothma fan. She is very like, yeah. And now that I'm thinking of her as an elf, I'm like, yeah, she's <laughs> just very regal. And uh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think this is no excuse for the lack of, especially pre prequel. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that she literally is just like, here's the death star. Many Bothans have died. Like barely has anything to do in the entire movie, but it is kind of interesting because I do remember her being on screen and being like, wait, who's that? Wait, Leah's not in charge or Leah's Leah's not in charge. Oh, that's so interesting. And like wanting to know more. And like, then I delve into the legend stuff to kind of learn more about her. So I do think she, what was given to us, she made an impact, but Mm. it would be nice (laughs) that if she was fleshed out a little bit more, (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's why Rebels is great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of like swoops in there totally. to flush out these characters. So. Yeah. And and y'all probably know this, but I think this is kind of interesting. So in Rebels, she's played by, I don't know if it's Genevieve or Guinevieve O'Reilly. Um, I so don't know, apologies. but I love that name. Yeah. It's cool. Um, who is the person who played her in the prequels, then again in Rogue One. So I always thought that was really cool that in the prequels, they found an actor who looked a lot like Mon Mothma and was good in the role. Like I was pretty impressed. And then by the time Rogue One came around, she had kind of aged to a point where it makes sense for her to play Mon Mothma again. Mm. And I thought that was, it's kind of like what they did with Palpatine. Yeah. Ian McDermott was a young man in in Return of the Jedi. And then by the time the prequels came around, he was, he was <laughs> Sheev. Um, and so I thought that was kind of cool. And she returns to her role in rebels again Wow! in Return of the Jedi, though. She was played by Caroline Blackston, Blackiston. Um, I'm not great with names, but um, yeah, she, I thought she was great in Return of the Jedi as mentioned. Yeah. I remember when she was in the Rogue One mm-hmm. like trailers and being really excited because I was like, oh, it's the prequel actress. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of wish they would have done that with Peter Cushing like for Rogue One. Like we didn't need the CGI Tarkin. Like I don't think there's anything wrong with giving new actors roles and just finding ones who because yeah. the guy who played his stand in. Oh, I was like, see, a, I was like, wait, I got uh, news for you. Peter Cushing sorry. <laughs> was dead. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't following, but I get what you mean now. Um, yeah, I, I like because the guy who stood in for him while they CG'd his face was like would have been passable, would have mm-hmm. been fine. Yeah. And yeah. it's like just give new op- new actors a new opportunity. Like we're in the era where we're just remaking everything, and that's what's apparently selling. So like, mm-hmm. at least find new actors for it. 
Yeah. It makes it weird too, like in the context of Star Wars, that like we have a CGI Leia in Rogue One, but we have like a whole Han Solo movie with yeah, not exactly. Harrison Ford. Yeah, so it's yeah like, totally. It's clearly, we're picking yeah. and choosing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Totally. It's weird. That's a good it's, point. I thought at first you were going to say that you wanted the actor who played Tarkin, like at the end of Revenge of the Sith, where he stands next to Vader for 30 se- for like 10 seconds. Yeah, even that's fine. In that weird like makeup that like yeah. made his like cheeks pointy. Even bring that guy back. That's great. <laughs> make it give give new people new opportunities yeah um so yeah, I agree. i've got kind of a deep dive on mon mothma because this is a our introduction to mon mothma chronologically is, no actually no it's not no I take that back. but in rebels yeah. it's our introduction to her yeah and she is a pivotal character with actually a lot of a cool interesting backstory um, I would like to start it off with, there's this book that I really like called the rebel files. And the yeah. premise is just that they find a bunch of like old transmissions and news articles and things like that from the galaxy, um, in the resistance era. And so it kind of fills in this stuff. And there's one about Mon Mothma, um, from Bormia today, which is a newspaper. And the headline is wizard teen Senator takes on Coruscant. <laughs> so... <laughs> Great. I love a wizard shout out. Um, but what they're referring to is at the age of 15, Mon Mothma from Chandrilla, as mentioned, discovered Smashball and got an argument with her parents who were pol- p- uh, political figures. Discovered Smashball? Yep. I tried to figure out what Smashball is, but like invented Smashball. Or no, like, you she, can't she like, like dis- fell in love with the sport. Oh, of Smash got it, Ball. got it, got it. I thought it was like he discovered baseball. Like it was a thing that existed, and he just had to find it. Like, look, these yeah, animals happened, are right? playing baseball. Yep. Um, but because of the fallout with her parents, she decided to turn her back on the family's political dynasty to become a historian. But by next summer, her moment of rebellion had been forgotten and she returned to politics. Every parent's nightmare. (laughs) Because I'm going to be a historian. (laughs) I'll get you mom and dad. Oh, great. I know he's going to be sleeping on the couch for the next 20 years. Yeah. Um, but a love of governance turned her back to the family business and she became one of the youngest senators to date. She was kind of a political prodigy. During the Clone War, she was part of the Loyalist Committee, which was created by Chancellor Sheev Palpatine to advise him during the Clone Wars and to protect loyalty to the Republic. Ironically, mm. though, most members of the Loyalist Committee found themselves. That's antithetical. Odds. You should never need to protect <laughs> loyalty. Like it's like yeah. you're the title gives away that it's not a good idea. Yep. Well, that's probably why the loyalist committee turned their back faith enforcers. <laughs> yep. They turned their back on Sheev and they signed the declaration of 2000, which requested the chancellor return all of his emergency powers to the Senate as soon as possible, which was the first spark of rebellion. Was the language as soon as possible. And he's yeah. like, okay, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. <laughs> pretty as much. soon as that was his loophole is like, I have just been very busy. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. I mean, I think it's, um, this is kind of a theme through Mon Mothma's career. She didn't ever really want to be a fighter opposed to someone like Leia who sees the threat and wants to take it very seriously. I think Mon Mothma wants to exhaust all political options and diplomatical options before it comes to fighting. And so when we find her at this point, she has already tried all of the legal routes all of the kind of more diplomatic routes and she has faced the fact that there's nothing else to be done so this is kind of that is you know we're going to sign a declaration being like please return your war powers it's mean of you and that didn't work out for them (laughs) and so after that became clear she was part of this is a cut scene in revenge of the sith where there was a secret committee with Padme Amidala, Bail Organa, and Mon Mothma at the Catham House, which is considered the birthplace of rebellion. This is the first time they actually talk about rebelling against the Empire and talking about how they're different than the Separatists because they want to protect democracy and not get away from it. Um, As a close friend of Bail Organa, though, she grew up close with Leia and was Leia's political tutor and teacher mentoring her up until she took her father's place in the Senate. Mm. 
Hmm. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of cute. The adventures of Mom <laughs> Mothma and baby Leia would be really sweet. <laughs> everyone knows everyone. <laughs> yep. Um, but as we see in this episode, fast forward a bit, Mon Mothma becomes a rallying cry for all the separate rebel cells and they all fall under her leadership and the rebel alliance is born and she becomes, I don't know what her like title is under the rebellion, president of the rebellion. <laughs> sure. Um, and she is the one in command throughout the civil war until the empire is defeated and the new republic is formed. When the new republic is formed, she reestablishes the galactic senate on Chandrula at first, and she is elected the first chancellor of the new republic senate. She was incredibly popular. She was incredibly charismatic. Um, and ironically, the charter of the New Republic gave her the same emergency powers that had once been given to Palpatine during the Clone Wars, which she was not comfortable with. There's a lot of interesting political drama in books like Aftermath and Bloodline, but the most important thing is some of her last acts. I she, was going to say, sorry mm-hmm. to interrupt, yeah, that I um, would read a Mon Mothma book if given to the right mm-hmm. author. Yeah. Claudia Gray being one of those. Yeah. Only because totally. she's so she's one of two authors I trust in the Star Wars canon. Yeah. Especially with political. I think she's pretty darn savvy. Mm-hmm. So I would read a Mon Mothma political book written by Claudia Gray. Yeah, same. Just throwing mm-hmm. that out there into the universe. Totally. <laughs> yeah, Bloodline's cool. She doesn't appear in it in a ton, but they at this point she is not the chancellor anymore and they talk about the history of kind of what happened and mm. her legacy it, it does feel very west wingy yeah. and so if she would just Great. expand that out that would be super i would really enjoy that i would well. love that yeah, i would totally. totally read a completely west wing star wars book yep <laughs> uh but toward the end of her reign she ended up convincing her political adversaries to reorganize under the new republic cementing the new republic as the government of the galaxy and she got imperial advisor to palpatine Moss Amida to surrender and sign the Galactic Concordance, which essentially ended the Empire for good. The Galactic mm. Concordance, it ended hostilities and the treaty forced the Empire to remain inside of predetermined territories within the core worlds and inner rim. And then um, it became, once it became clear that the war was over, the remnants of the empire disappeared into the unknown regions instead of obeying the galactic concordance. And then because she was never comfortable with the power, Mon Mothma fulfilled her goals and passed the military disarmament act, which reduced the standing military of the new Republic by 90%. Okay. New idea. Let's have a, the crown, but Mon Mm -hmm. Mothma. Yeah, totally. Yes. All, That's a Disney Plus show. <laughs> yeah. That would be so good. Because everything you're saying is fairly boring, but I think <laughs> in, I know it's important and in the right yeah. hands, like uh, the people who made the crown, I would be very interested. She could have a son like Charles who would like, <laughs> is a little goofy and is like, yeah. wants to be an actor. This is great. I want the show. Yeah. Totally. God, that show is effing cold. Yeah. No, a lot of this is backstory, but I do think that this part is really genuinely interesting because I think this might be her standing legacy um, in a lot of ways. So the Military Disarmament Act, so the ramifications were pretty severe. And a lot of people say that that act is what helped pave the way for the rise of the First Order. Mm. So it took 29 years to do this. And the New Republic still had a pretty big army. But it was severely limited and many felt that the New Republic wasn't taking the threat of the First Order seriously and they didn't have enough forces to meet them if they came to power. One of the people who thought that was Leia. So at this point, uh, Leia and a bunch of other veterans of the war are at odds with Mon Mothma, her once mentor they're now kind of opposed to each other and leia starts publicly campaigning against mon mothma as the leading voice of rearming and rebuilding a republic army which was an unpopular political stance because many saw organa as being an alarmist or warmonger and that got her sidelined from the political process and the democracy she helped establish so At the very end, Mothma ended up being severely ill 
and she retired from being chancellor. And in her absence, the new republic fell into chaos. The Senate became divided and the full first order did return and the new republic was not able to meet them with military strength. One very last kind of quick note to tie up this drama, even after their late political battles, Mothma still publicly supported Leia after it was revealed that Leia was the daughter of Darth Vader, news that ultimately ended Leia's political career and made her become a public pariah. It became publicly known that she was Vader's daughter. Lots of people didn't like that, but Mon Mothma publicly supported her still. <laughs> so that is the kind of the Mon Mothma story. I'm, it was very deep, but I honestly went, I, I passed over a lot. She did a lot in her career and a lot of it would be a very interesting West Wing type story. Hmm. What yeah. about that? I, I don't know how you guys, I would, I would love to get your input. Um, how does it sit like is this a filler episode is this one you would rewatch? is it like cool once and then you don't mm-hmm. need it again like Lindsay, how do you feel about it yeah i feel like it's mostly filler but i really love the last like few minutes of it mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes the whole like thing feel kind of worth it like while the ship's showing up and everything so i don't know i this is my first time re-watching it and i think ever so um, <laughs> i guess maybe that says how i feel about it but um and do you watch other yeah. rebels episodes frequently not frequently yeah but, like, do you rewatch not them frequently but yeah yeah yeah. i've rewatched i mean i i tend to rewatch the like lore heavy ones mm. like the you know stuff with jedi um like history and stuff so those are the ones that i like return to as a fan um so this one is probably not one mm. that i would return to but i would watch the i would skip to the like final moments <laughs> if i wanted to like feel good yeah, yeah totally i think yeah. that yeah i i think i would tend to agree i went into this and we'll get to our grading scale later i went to this pretty jazz on this episode and you know hearing mike your your intro and hearing what you just said Lindsay, i'm kind of recontextualizing it a little bit and realizing that i i appreciate what it means for the canon and I did get goosebumps toward yeah, the last like 10, 15 minutes um, and just seeing all the ships because this is pretty important. This is the formation of the Rebel Alliance as we know it instead of a bunch of cells fighting independently. And that was a really cool touch for me. And I think that kind of, I, don't, I wouldn't say the episode was bad, but now that I'm looking back at it, I do think it was kind of mainly filler. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, most of the episode was, action that was like i said pretty visually interesting but Mm. i mean it was almost like true star wars action where it's like i it's like a just super visual storytelling kind of like i don't i don't know i didn't i didn't need about 15 minutes of it (laughs) yeah totally i and you know i've never written it for a tv show so i don't know what that's what that's like and what your uh, you know your your mission is here and mm-hmm. what you're allowed to do but it seems like something got lost i i yeah. I, I don't know reintroducing the tide defender felt like it didn't do anything and it was again non-consequential it was like this is cool we've seen it before um but it's not doing much mm. uh it's like what we care about is mon mothma yeah the formation of the rebellion like but nothing else totally yeah and i think you mentioned the stakes to this you know yeah. i i prefer the stakes um of my fiction to be real well you're like more emotionally based, uh, okay <laughs> more character based than plot based um and it, mm. I think what, what, so, so what are the, to poke at that? What are the, what's like the, okay, to keep it in the universe. I'm well, not, no, I don't no, wanna, no, no, no. It's just like, what would that be? What would an emotional character yeah. stake be? Cause I'm not super familiar. Yeah. To keep it into the universe and to not open a can of worms. I apologize. An example of that would be like Kylo Ren and Ray's relationship in last Jedi. It would be, okay. you know, holding out the hands, the inner turmoil going on between them. Um, when they're doing the flashbacks and things like that, like those stakes are figuring out who you are, figuring out where you where your place in the universe. An example of that not happening is, you know, 5000 million ships blowing each other up at the end of another movie. So 
I will leave it at that. <laughs> um, but that would be kind of what, you know, that's what I find more interesting. You know, the episodes where Ezra is dealing with something internally, where, you know, the rebellions trying to figure out how they can measure up to such a big threat and they don't feel like they're up to the task. That's more interesting to me than like, let's find this big weapon that could blow up a big ship. Mm, Yeah. 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 I get that. And an indication of that is, you know, I usually bring in, I, I always watch the rebels recon episodes after every episode and try to find like little nuggets of what the creators say about the episodes. And they always talk about things like, um, you know, the Darksaber trial, the trial of the Darksaber, all of that was talking about, you know, the inner turmoil of Sabine and what this episode meant to write a character and develop her stakes in that way. That's usually what they focus on in the Rebels Recon. And this one, they didn't talk about character at all. They were just like, oh, this one's cool because the rebellion's starting. This one's cool because you see all these ships. This one's cool because Mon Mothma's important. Yeah. 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 Um, not to say it's bad. I do actually enjoy this episode. Um, but um, I, am I, w- conti- I would say, I would say it's, I would say it's bad. Um, <clears throat> I, I mean, if, you know, contextually within star mm-hmm. Wars and what's, you know, cause there's some really high highs and there's some low lows. And so if I'm just like being honest and putting this episode somewhere, I'd be like, mm, I would never rewatch it. I would go, it's like the, I could, I could read the byline and be happy with like Mon Mothman makes an announcement and you know, rallies the, and the rebellion is born. It's like, that's, that's it. It's like, that's, that's what you need to know here. And really I've given you everything you need to know right there. I don't know that I can tell you much more and you miss out on this. Wizard adult senator takes on Coruscant. <laughs> yeah, I think there's. Uh, I might have to to back you up there. Um, I don't know if I, I think the episode's bad, but I do think like for a big moment like this, like the formation of the Rebel Alliance, mm-hmm. I think it deserved maybe a better episode mm, surrounding yeah. it um, because it's so vital and because Mon Mothma, Mon Mothma is such a vital figure, mm. like in the setup of all of this. Like I, I feel like there, I could rewrite. Well. I, I don't know if I do, but I feel like in my head I can like form yeah. this idea of like an, an episode that maybe would make that mm. feel a little bit more powerful than just like an, an end note. Mm. So yeah. yeah. Fair. Yeah. 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 And interesting. They have a tall order to fill. So yeah. I'm not like faulting them. Yeah. And I, I know what writing for a business is like, and you have a million stakeholders telling you what to do and you sometimes lose your the creative thread of like, well, no, but this was art. And they're like, no, but you need to do this. And I was like, but this is art. And, and so I can't imagine what being in a Lucasfilm room doing that is. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's gotta be pretty, pretty wild. Yeah. Um, we do, you mentioned it. We see the tie defender in action. We saw the plans in an inside man and we went over the schematics when we talked about that episode, but we actually see it in action now. How do you both like this ship generally? And for Lindsay, what's your favorite Star Wars ship? Ooh. Ooh, that's a good question. I actually don't have like, it's one of like my areas of fandom that I just like my eyes kind of glaze over with ships. It's like not an area of expertise for me, which is why I like, um, I like Kylo Ren's uh, tie and, or his ship in the fur in the force awakens. That one that kind of looks like a bat. I think that's my favorite because it's like visually striking and I can like remember it and like separate it from all of the other things. So I don't have like any really strong, ship <laughs> <Fair>. <laughs> not that type yeah. of ship anyway one of the things that bugs me so much is in resistance they made it clear that that ship is just you could have like stopped a, right there for me <laughs> one of the things that bugs me is resistance i'm enjoying resistance <laughs> not as much as some other things but i'm enjoying it now that I, I've, it's gotten later into the season and season two I, I, but I, I need to watch it all i need to watch yeah. it all but i've i stopped it one of the things that that kind of bugs me is that it made it clear that that's just like a first order shuttle Oh. It's not Kylo Ren's like personal ship, and I'm like that ship is way too cool to just be like a yeah shuttle. yeah. It's very like yeah, it just looks like that's so funny. <laughs> looks like something he would have like scribbled in his yeah. notebook as like a teenager. Oh yeah. He drew a picture of like the crow and like was listening <laughs> yeah. to my bloody Valentine and was like, "This is gonna be uh, my ship one day." <laughs> all right, you're getting a totally. little too close to my own personal experience there, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I totally agree. That's awesome. Do you have Mike? Do you have any tie defender thoughts? I thought it was uh, 
pretty boring here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I it's like it was a whole episode or two of like this amazing ship, and then it <laughs> was like used, and it was like it's a it's just a little chunkier of a Tie Fighter. Um, yeah, I and it was I think it was just used in the wrong place again. It was like used in an episode where there are no stakes. It's like yeah. put it against a character who may or may not like survive it. And mm-hmm. I think it would have, so it was, it's a cool ship used in the wrong spot is totally. my thing. Yeah. The threat of it didn't really come through for me, especially if this well, is and it requires to be- so much of this episode requires some serious rebels background knowledge for it to be a good episode. So it, it, uh, it, yeah. it really is an episode for rebels fans and for star Wars fans. My, if my wife watched this episode, I think she would just, I think she may likely not enjoy it because mm. it requires so much background knowledge. Yeah. Like the tie defender for totally. her should be like, so like it's <laughs> yeah. not even doing anything cool. It's like got goofy totally. wings. Yeah. It, it's, I'm trying to think like commander vault Scaris is the one piloting it. Yeah. And we, we met vault Scaris in Antilles extraction. He he's been promoted. He was a captain in that episode. Yeah. And that episode actually I thought was much more, um, effective because i don't remember he's like flying a tie i don't know some other tie fighter and he like takes out a bunch of ships and like you can very clearly see that he is he outclasses everyone and there's some real threat and i never felt that with the tie defender mm-hmm. um i feel like and also just i'm a little wary because i feel like it almost falls into that star wars trope where they're like all right how do we make this thing bigger and badasser? Well, regular ships have two wings. Let's give this one three wings. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> well, I mean, well, yeah. And what's cool is that the, the lead gets buried. What's cool about it is it both has the ability to go on a hyperdrive, which yep. happens in new movies and has a shield. Yep. Like, yeah. So it's like that neat stuff is, non like inconsequential here. Totally. Um, my only other ship thoughts are there's a very specific thing I realized that I love about star Wars and sure. it, you might hate it, Mike, because I don't know if it was, it might've been a special edition edition. <laughs> um, I love the engine lights that are on star Wars engines, like the back of the ships, like how the Y wings have that purple, like exhaust coming out. Uh, the, uh, the lift logo on the back. Yeah, and there's like a really cool shot of like the white. It like almost looks like a star coming out of the back of the Star Destroyers. Mm. And I just feel like that's such a fun touch. So yeah. I don't know. That's like a weird thing for me. I like engine lights. That's how you know that's a ride share driver. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, and then to close up the episode, I don't know if you guys have anything else interesting to talk about, but there is a stirring speech. They meet, um, they meet. At Dantooine, which was the planet that was first mentioned in A New Hope, um, it's where Leia says that the rebel base is and she wants the Death Star to blow that up instead of Alderaan. And we learn that there was an old abandoned rebel base. I found a kind of interesting little nugget about that. Early versions of The Force Awakens had the First Order converting that Dantooine into their super weapon and retrofitting the abandoned rebel base for their own purposes. It's very green. I like that. Yeah, that's cool. Great job, guys. It's like, it's this, like cool. It's like they're selling on Etsy. It's like reclaimed wood. <laughs> yeah. I really like that. Yeah, it probably it's I mean, it's probably very similar because like she was saying, I, if it's a it's a if it's a target, she wanted them to blow up and there's an abandoned base there. I'm assuming no one lives there. So it's probably like Greenhoff, um, yeah. which I think is interesting. They said in the original script for um, Force Awakens, the super laser was going to be set inside of an old volcano stealing energy from the suns of the system. And um, the base's name was going to be the Doom Star. <laughs> So there we go. I think I love the Doom Star. <laughs> the Doom Star. I kind of, I kind of, yeah. <laughs> Doom. I like when Star Wars is just like really on the yeah. nose. <laughs> I mean, just go, yeah, go for, just go for it. Yeah. And also in this thing I saw, it said like the movie was going to culminate with X-Wing fighters dive bombing into the volcano, literally and metaphorically bringing darkness into the galaxy. The base was going to oh, be called the Doom Star. <laughs> so dramatic. <laughs> 
Anytime you write out, it will literally and metaphorically do something. You've done it. You've done the thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's a that's a sidetrack to the stirring speech that Mon Mothma gives, calling the rallying cry of the galaxy's rebels to her at this clandestine clandestine mm-hmm. this secret meeting. Great. For too long, I've watched the heavy hand of the Empire strangle our liberties, stifling our freedoms in the name of ensuring our safety. No longer, despite Imperial threats, despite the Emperor himself, I have no fear as I take new action. For I am not alone. Beginning today, we stand together as allies. I hereby resign from the Senate to fight for you. So how did you feel about this speech? I love the speech. Yeah. Like I said, like the this last like couple minutes of this episode is definitely my favorite mm-hmm. part of the whole thing. And I love a good Star Wars speech. Yeah. <laughs> I like when you get to see everyone kind of <laughs> reacting to it too. Like totally. That's that emotional thing that you were talking about earlier where you use that to kind of make you really feel yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. I also like that we see Jan Dodonna. Because when they're going back, we see yeah. we see the the Yavin rebels. We see we also see the Lothal rebels. Um, old Joe, who was an old favorite, we haven't seen for a little while. Phoenix Cell and Chopper Base. So yeah, we're we're kind of going around all these different rebel cells. And Jan Dodonna, who I'm sure we'll talk about a lot going forward, is kind of a pivotal member of the Alliance in A New Hope, and someone that I personally like because I thought he had a cool beard when I was a kid. Mm. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, and so she rallies these ships to them. They all jump into hyperspace. They come to the rescue. It is, and she says, "This is our rebellion." I got goosebumps. I actually did. Yeah, um, I like it. And do you know yeah. what? I'm gonna and yeah, I I don't know. Feel free to jump in on this, Lindsay, because you uh, you're you're a writer. But I I like this speech too because like I like that she just. I don't know if this is me looking too deeply into it, but I like that she just like speaks the language of the people. She's like very just, mm. I don't know if it's intentional or it's just like, uh, but I, I, I've been really being irked lately by people who use too big word, like too big of words. So they're like, <laughs> it, I feel like it like isolates and kind of pushes people away and just kind of shows off like, you know, what school you went to and doesn't necessarily communicate a good point. And I love that when the rebels talk, they use like the language of the people because I'm noticing that, and maybe it's intentional. Like when you get imperial speeches, they are like a little more eloquent and like uh, isolating. And so I'm like, I, I love this Mon Mothma speech because everyone can hear it. Everyone gets it like inside the show and out. And that's, I, I don't know. I think that's important. Indubitably. Yeah. <laughs> Indubitably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I never thought about it like that, but I think that's definitely true. Like and it's almost different than even the way that she speaks just normally. Like, yeah, there's, yeah, it's like she's kind of tailoring it to the people that most need to hear you. Yeah. yeah, I like that point. I didn't really call that out, but that's probably goes to her political savvy and yeah. her, her charisma, um, which is kind of a nice character moment. Yeah, she's good. She good. Yeah. And then uh, the very, very last note I have is that this is the first appearance of the famous Mon Cal Cruisers which are famous rebel ships. Um, I wouldn't bring this up other than I found out this nugget that the Mon Cal cruisers are actually underwater buildings that turn into ships. So oh, yeah. the ships that we see, <laughs> cause Mon Cal is an underwater planet. Like so the, it's a transformer. Basically. Yeah. They're like, um, they were retrofitted to work underwater and in space. So like people just like live in them like cities. And then when the empire came to take over Mon mm-hmm. Cal, they're like, all right, let's fly our cities away. And they just like flew away. That's cool. One, one <laughs> yeah. could say they are more than meets the eye. <laughs> one could, but Perfect. should one. <laughs> and that's how we wrap up this episode. <laughs> yeah. Does anyone have any other notes or thoughts before we, we close this out? Um, just one super high level. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, there was a line I didn't get by one of the Imperials when the two Y wings come out of the nebula. He, the commander goes, well, shoot them down. They're too little too late. And I thought, what? <laughs> I, I was like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> And that's all. And then the, I didn't I, notice that I have no idea. What I wrote, I wrote that note to. down. I wrote three notes. I wrote Patton Oswald question mark. And then I wrote yep. down that quote. And then this other note, I wrote down twenties football haircut and helmet. <laughs> 
Fair, fair. Then I won't explain those. Okay, perfect. I'm just gonna oh, the only other like random note I have is I love that the first stirring speech is Mon Mothma gives like a stirring speech to the ghost crew when she first joins the ship. And it's right in front of that like demon clown poster we've pointed out before. <laughs> and it's just very like a weird juxtaposition for me. I've not noticed the demon yeah. clown poster. Rewind it and see her first stirring speech. There's a very, we've posted on Twitter before. Maybe I'll try to dig it up and post it again. There's a very creepy clown poster on the ghost. It's very oh odd. <laughs> Can I go back and find that immediately? Yeah, I will give you nightmares. <laughs> So how we like to end each episode is with a very fun and silly grading scale. I might need to think about, (laughs) I might need some time to rethink what my grade is after this conversation. So Mike, why don't you give an example of how we do this? Sure. Um, So my current least favorite thing in Star Wars is just everything about the 1997 re-releases. And my current most favorite thing in Star Wars is the death of... Darth Maul in this very season of Rebels at the hands of Obi-Wan. Wonderfully done. I'm going to give this episode a um, Rose, the character Rose in Rise of Skywalker. It it bummed me out so just much. Generally, Rose and Rise of Skywalker. Just, genu- <laughs> just generally, all of Rose and Scott and Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I don't Mainly know what they did to Rose. Yeah, like where is she, and why don't we get to see her more? Yeah, I'm gonna. It's it's kind of my feelings are kind of the same with this episode, but mm-hmm. almost the reverse of why am I seeing this and what's happening. So that it like it levels out. Do you know what? I feel really negative, which is not good, but this episode's <laughs> kind of like a D for me. It Ooh, maybe wow. it, if I'm just in if I'm just putting the end, I would say it's like a B plus A minus, but because of the whole episode, I'm I'm going to say it's a D, which is really low. Or, mm, yeah. Interesting. Just contextually. Yeah. I mean, I okay, so I'm just, you know what? I'm just going to stick to my gun. So I said the favorite, my favorite thing is Ray pulling the lightsaber out of the snow in force awakens whizzing past Kylo Ren's face. Mm-hmm. My least favorite thing is everything C3PO has ever done anytime <laughs> other than the original trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this episode I originally said was Ugnock, Ugnot Nick Nolte saying I have spoken, um, <gasps> which is That's so good. Yeah. I really enjoyed this episode. Okay, I think I was just like on the fumes of like the That's last fine. 10 minutes. So I was like, it's an A, but it's not an A plus because, you know, it's not baby Yoda. Um, well, I don't have something to compare it to. I think after contextualizing it in this conversation, I might drop it down to like a B minus. I still did enjoy it. I thought it was beautiful. I'm not feeling as negative as you are, mm. but I'm not feeling as positive after this conversation. That's, so thanks, Mike. Yeah, I try. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, would you like to tell us your favorite and least favorite thing right now in Star Wars and where you put this episode? Yeah, well, mine has a big episode nine spoiler, so I can... Uh, just go I don't for know it. If I already did it. Okay. People okay. can fast forward <laughs> if they if they don't want it. This is your warning right now. We're at the end of the episode. Check out Lindsay on Twitter and her all of her writing and check out the Halo Raylo podcast. All right. We've been wrapped up. Okay, cool. Well, my favorite thing in all of Star Wars is the throne room uh, fight in The Last Jedi yep. uh, with Rey and Kylo. Mm-hmm. And my least favorite thing in Star Wars is Rey Palpatine. Mm. So, um, Preach it. To- Preach it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's my, my big spoiler. Yeah. So, uh, I would put this one to just to keep it in sequel trilogy terms. I would rate this episode, uh, Welcome to Kanja Club, Ooh. which is a line that I enjoy, but that I find kind of annoying sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and that ultimately I don't think that deeply of, but like when it comes up, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> okay. So, what's like, what's like the letter grade <laughs> translation, kind of? I'd put it like a B minus, okay. too. All right. I don't feel strongly enough about it to like rate yeah. it anything higher or lower. Mm, yeah. yeah. I feel like that's like, yeah. uh, that's ironic or that's a good parallel for me because I feel like when you first said like the, like the kanji club thing, I was like, Oh, so it's an A plus, but I feel like it's one of those things that <laughs> I think about it more and maybe annoy me more, more much yeah. like this episode. <laughs> Not to be a downer on kanji club. I just <laughs> kanji club for life. 
Yeah, I have friends who like say it all the time, and I'm just yeah. okay. I have a kanji club neck tattoo, so I mean, nice. I'm all, I'm all in. <laughs> I don't really. <laughs> Cool. I was about to feel really bad. <laughs> yeah. Anytime someone has a tattoo or something and you put a day on, you're like, oh, I mean, it's so good. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I love butterflies. Yeah. Cool. Well, we are stoked to have had you. I am super happy you jumped on. Lindsay, would you like to tell people where they can find you on the internet and where they can read your work and what you are up to right now? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Lindsay Romaine and you can follow me on Nerdist.com. And um, yeah, you can also listen to Halo Rayla. We're on a little bit of a break post episode nine, but um, <laughs> as we form our yeah, thoughts, but we'll be back. <laughs> I, I can imagine might be a, what, what did they say? A period of turmoil or something. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> it's been a little bit, uh, not something I've been wanting to wade into, yeah, but fair. we'll eventually. The dead have not spoken. Got it. great well thank you so much for jumping on you can find us at rebels rebels pod on twitter or instagram please tell your friends spread the word especially now that rebels is streaming on disney plus it's such a fun show we love it so much yeah and rate and review us we've been called divisive yeah (laughs) totally (laughs) um and I don't know. Is there anything else you want to plug, Mike? We're, we're, we've mentioned it. We dropped a couple of minutes, but I want to plug boy meet boys meet world a podcast. <laughs> I am sincerely interested in doing where we okay. eat steak and talk. About, so just keep your eye out for that. All right. I'm so into this. Yeah. And remember until next time to be brave out there and don't look back. Don't look back. Bye. Bye.